Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily and welcome to Master Leadership Through Crisis series, where we will connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important questions to help us navigate through rough waters. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. Dan Polino is the founder of Everyone Matters, Inc., a social impact enterprise dedicated to ensuring that everyone has equal access to citizen-based services, health care, and education. He is a regular contributor to the discussion on healthcare, citizen-based services on CNN, Bloomberg, the BBC, and other media outlets. He worked for IBM for 36 years, leading its global healthcare and life sciences business for 10 years. Most recently, he wrote Trusted Healers. Dan believes that it's up to us to change to decide the future of healthcare. He believes that with the right strategies and leadership, it's all in our grasp. Our interview will begin right after messages from our sponsors. Did COVID-19 make you realize your business has a lot more risks than you thought? COVID opened our eyes to the under and uninsured risks business owners face, and many are still struggling with today. But did you know the government created a tax code to help business owners set aside tax-deferred funds to help mitigate those risks? It's called an 831B plan, and every Fortune 500 company has one. Now that it's more affordable than ever, small to mid-sized companies can participate and ensure their business weathers the storm, whatever the future holds. If you want to protect the success you've worked so hard to build, visit 831B.com to learn more. That's 831B.com. Welcome, Dan Polino. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We are so happy to have you on our podcast. Are you ready to pour into our listeners? I sure am. Great. Now, Dan, tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now. Well, thank you. I had a chance to work for a terrific company for 36 years for IBM, and I was one of their senior executives with um, some large responsibilities running a $20 billion business within that, and had a chance to just do some wonderful things, had a terrific team uh, and people that were committed to making a difference and trying to change the world. So I was very fortunate to work for a company like that. So it was just great. So what is it that you're doing right now? Well, when I retired from IBM, I was encouraged to write a book called Trusted Healers, which is all about leadership. It's about healthcare. It's about societal change. And Ann and I formed a company called Everyone Matters. And there's a story behind Everyone Matters, Inc. and why it's named Everyone Matters. But it gives me a chance to continue to 
be around people that care about making a difference as a social impact company in areas around government, education, healthcare, life sciences. It's what we're doing today and it's wonderful. I get a chance to talk to people like you and the listeners that follow you. You know, this is about leadership and how leadership impacts the world. And this is important to me because I lost my sister sooner than she should have been gone because of very poor leadership in the healthcare system. So what you're doing to me is super important. You mentioned everyone matters and there's a story. Tell us about that. Sure. And I'm sorry about your loss of your sister far too early. So as I would have the responsibilities that I did, and we were trying to make changes in the healthcare system, literally globally, I had an opportunity to speak on a regular basis to large groups, small groups, different television appearances, et cetera. And I would conclude all of my speeches the same way. And that is I would ask people in the audience when I was done talking about whatever my topic was at that time, I asked them, why do we do what we do? And at first they kind of gave me that stare of the Wisconsin dairy cow. Like, what is this guy asking? Why do we do what we do? And at first I would answer that question. And I would answer that question because everyone matters. And it wasn't too long before I would go and have the opportunity to speak to different groups and they would wait for it at the end of my speeches. And I would ask the questions still somewhat rhetorically why do we do what we do? And of course, then the audiences would answer the question because everyone matters. That's awesome. Yeah, when I retired from IBM, it only made sense to create a company that Everyone Matters Inc. so that we could continue on the work that I had done with IBM and then try and do it just as some individuals and people that help us and reach out to people that share the same passion and the same calling. Why do we do what we do? And because everyone matters. And in Everyone Matters, what's your focus? What do you do there? And where can we connect with you? Thanks. So uh, there's a couple of areas. Healthcare, for sure. Trusted Healers was written because I had a chance to work with so many great leaders around the world and to uh, understand their leadership styles, what they tried to do, and societal change. How long does it really take to get something done and why? And so oftentimes what I try and do is take some of the more complicated issues of the day and then get them into something that's discernible and then where it makes sense for people and then they can understand then how to go forward. And I can give you a number of examples of that, but certainly healthcare and then government, citizen-based services, how we reach different groups. And certainly that's very appropriate today with all the different thoughts about Black Lives Matter and other aspects of our society. And then also education. What do the education systems need to look like? And what does education for a lifetime look like? So those are the three major areas with a little bit around life sciences as it has an impact on patients and consumers. So let's say I'm an educational administrator. I'm a leader in education. What would Everyone Matters help me to achieve? Yeah, good question. So first of all, we would open up your mind to how people work, right brain, left brain, virtual, physical, the different aspects of what it would look like. So first would be just an approach of thinking about education and how you build the right type of curriculum and reach people to do that. Uh, The second aspect then is to help people understand 
what kind of clubs, books, other things they should read to continue on with their education that fills potentially gaps that might be in the education system, but fit very well into what they're trying to do. And then the third is really this continuum of education. How do you continue to learn? Not just through the early grades, but how you continue to go forward, certainly high school, certainly college and other aspects that education is a lifetime experience. It's not just trying to get through certain traditional grade levels and then off to a job and then we no longer pay attention to how we learn and what we learn and the way we learn. And Dan, how can we connect with you? What's the best way to do that? Our website, everyonemattersonline.com. If somebody has something they want from me directly, certainly on LinkedIn or just uh, send me a note to my own personal email, danpolino at gmail.com. And uh, if somebody has a question and they'd like to continue on the debate and the discussion, be happy to do it that way as well. Perfect. Now, just to be clear, everyonemattersonline.com? Yeah, you can find that there, right? That's right. Okay, all right, perfect. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to search on me too. So if you just search on my name, many of the podcasts, many of the TV shows, many of the classes that I've taught. So the easiest way, quite honestly, is probably if they just search, they could see things that I've done in the past, reference materials, and then it could drive them to uh, Everyone Matters, uh, Inc. So Perfect. So we can Google Dan Polino, P-E-L-I-N-O. You betcha. <laughs> and you'll show up. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Dan, we're currently in the process of recovering, hopefully, from the global pandemic, COVID-19. We don't know. But how has that affected you? You know, I'd like to bring something out in the conversation of recovering. And if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions and our listeners can maybe answer these themselves if they happen to know them. Do you know when the first flu shot became available? No. 1930. That's when the first flu shot became available. Okay. Do you know how long it took before it became readily available for the population in the United States? I want to guess 1950s. 1945. So 15 years from when it first came out. The last year that the CDC, which is two years ago, kept track of how many people took the flu shot can you venture a guess the percentage of the people in the United States that actually took the flu shot? 20%? 40, 48%. 48%. Okay. 48%. <laughs> so, here. <laughs> yeah, well, that's okay. But th this is why we're talking about good. this. This, this is, is about societal change, right? Because we're all excited about coming out of this, but it's going to be us as individuals. You have to be your own trusted healer. You need to wear the mask, you need the social distance, you need to wash your hands, and then people are going to make a decision on their own on how they're going to do this vaccination. And I'm sharing with you because many people think that once we have the vaccination readily available for the general public, that everyone will take it. That's well, right. if we look at societal change and the importance of leadership in societal change, not that many people are going to take it up to the levels that people think. It's not going to be the 70%. It might be at some point, but we're still going to struggle with the actual societal change issues of whether or not people feel that vaccination is in their best interest. So again, coming back to trusted healers, in the book, I end the book, should we be our own trusted healer? 
And what does that look like? And how do we take accountability and responsibility? That has never been as important as it is now for us to get out of this mess that we're in. And it will take leadership to encourage us to wear masks and social distance and do the things we should and to prove the vaccination is okay for all genders and all people. So these are the things that I like to have conversations with of people that are in leadership roles to say, you have to be aware of societal change. You just can't put a vaccination out there without an influence into people, into genders, into race, into their own ethnic thoughts as to whether or not they'll take it. Right. And considering all those things, it's because everybody does matter. You're exactly right. Everyone does matter and everyone's going to have their own view. And you're not going to be able to come out with just one policy or one thought. And that's why it's so important that our leaders are consistent with their approaches of things like mask wearing and being able to take social distancing and being able to do the things that we should, not only for ourselves, but for the respect of our neighbors, our family, and our communities. Thank you, Dan. Now, I'm very curious. When this first started, and I, and I believe words matter, and I'm, I think you do too. When this first started, one of the, I guess it became a mantra, social distancing. And it just landed on me very heavy when you think of social distancing. And I always thought that physical distancing is a better word. So speaking of societal change and impact, do you think there'll be an impact with this whole social distancing psychologically? Yeah, I so appreciate you mentioning that words matter. Actually, on page 250 in the book, I give people six thoughts of leadership to live their life by. And number four is your words matter and rhetoric counts and people listen to what you have to say. So I couldn't agree with you more. That's actually in the book as one of my promises to you. You can apply right away. Yeah, I think words do matter. Words in different cultures mean different things. And so I don't think we can ever get the right word. But what we do need to do is, as hopefully practicing adults here, we have to help with healthcare literacy. And we have to share with our children and our family and our communities, what does it mean? There has to be a translation of social distancing that can get by the words that people potentially throw up as a barrier as to why they don't do something. And if they don't understand what's behind why you want a social distance and because of the droplets and the distance, et cetera, and they fall short of doing what they should because the word isn't right, well, then I think as a society, we have not done the right job of explaining and being able to help with healthcare literacy. So I think healthcare literacy is one of the greatest gifts that we can offer the next generation and our children and others. I don't know about you, but I think my parents did a wonderful job of raising me, but there wasn't a lot of conversation around healthcare literacy when I was growing up. Well said. Thank you so much, Dan. Now, what quotes, advice, or practice has helped you most during crisis? Well, there's a couple of aspects. In reading about you, you like to ask some questions about leadership and other things. I will tell you that one of the things I always felt was important to me was three things. One is to be open to suggestions is very important. And then the second is uh, once you're open to suggestions, kind of defend your position. Why do you feel the way you do? And then the third, as 
every great leader knows you have to be able to deliver results. So that's number three. As leaning forward into your personal brand of asking these kind of questions, which I think is wonderful and how we learn from each other. Someone once shared to me, Dan, if you're going to be a leader, you have to be open to suggestions. You have to be able to defend your position. And then you have got to be accountable for results. And I think that's good for how we run our life. How I've gotten through this pandemic, and I'm not sure we're th through it or not, the idea to reach out and talk to people on a regular basis. So I talk to my mom and dad every day. On my phone, I have find me, you know, find my friends. So we track each other. We ask each other, you know, how was your trip? My mom and dad just got back from an appointment. 15 minutes before you and I came on, I called them and said, hey, tell me how your appointment went. With the kids, we talk every day. We're active in each other's lives. We send things to each other that we think are interesting and help each other. We have a dog, an English cream. Her name's Suri. Love to take her for a walk and, you know, just get out where we can and do those things. So we miss some of the traditional ways that we stay engaged and active, but I don't miss an opportunity to call and stay in touch literally every day. You know, I love that you do that. And it requires intentionality because you need it, but also your family members need it. And I know my mom, I have to call her every day. And, I, and I, I've done that not only because I want to make sure she's okay, but she needs it too. And she lifts my spirits. Now you said openness, know your why and deliver results. I want to stay on openness because being open to me means that you're curious and that you practice humility. And those are two things that to me are really, really important in leadership. I would absolutely agree with you. And in the book, first of all, Patrick Kennedy, my friend, uh, Congressman Kennedy, who's probably the strongest voice on mental and behavioral health, wrote the foreword to the book. And then we have the voices of other great leaders that have come through from Oprah Winfrey to Nelson Mandela, other people we've worked with, talked with, Dr. Glenn Steele, Mike Roizen from the Dr. Oz Show, et cetera. What I found in our research is these great leaders, they all did the same thing. And that is they start with a question, not an answer. They start with a question, not an answer, which I think goes to your humility, where they don't walk into the room thinking they have the answer. They walk into the room trying to find answers to questions. I didn't know that I would find that, but as we interviewed them and went back and we digested what we had learned from them, we learned that every one that's in the book, Trusted Healers, every chapter about these great leaders. And as they tell their story and their walk and their journey in leadership, they all started by asking a question. And, you know, I want to tell you this, that as soon as we got on, I received that energy from you, that curiosity, that openness. To me, that's a mark of someone who is a great leader. Well, I must tell you this. When I was a young boy, I was a paper boy for many years, and I was an altar boy. So my day started very early. I have a chapter about what it's like getting up first thing in the morning when it's dark, sometimes cold, and you're out there by yourself, and the lights start to go on. You ask yourself a lot of questions, you know, and, and when you're an altar boy up there by yourself and... Father Kelly used to be able to get through a mass in 17 minutes, you know, but nonetheless, uh, you have those experiences that last a lifetime for you. 
And I've also been so blessed. I can't tell you how many times I've been in countries around the world where I stopped just to introduce myself and just ask some questions or see something that changed my life because I stopped to ask a question of somebody or just ask them their name. And I appreciate you saying what you said. I'd like to say I work at it, but I, it's just me. It's just who I am. Well, that's great because some of us have to work really hard at it. Me. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I You're so well-versed in your thinking, especially if people will take the time to read, you know, what you've been through and some of the challenges you faced, uh, by the way, not to your own doing, but how you've been able to reinvent yourself personally and go forward against job loss and, you know, tragedy of your sister. And, and here you are with a master's class in leadership. It's just uh, spectacular. Well, thank you so much, Dan. I appreciate that. Now, as a lifelong learner, what are you learning right now? I'm learning more about patience. So when you're running a large business for as long as I did, you're impatient for results. You're impatient for the next day. You have responsibilities that you do, but I'm learning more about patience with watching the kids grow up in their life and what they're doing. Uh, patience, not to be so quick to offer a thought. Patience in how I ask a question and then don't rush in to answer your own question. <laughs> so. I love that. I love that. Isn't that something? And yeah. Not, not to make choices so readily. Like I heard something this morning. You don't have to make a choice right now. Like you can sit with it and maybe there's a third option. Yeah. I wish I had more of this patience when I was younger. I can't argue with the experiences I've had and the things that I've done, but it may have helped me enjoy the journey even a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more patience as well. Yeah. Well, that patience is something we're always learning or we should always continue to learn. So thank you so much. I get it. I have a teenager. So <sighs> yeah, deep breaths, deep breaths, yeah, deep breaths. Thank you. And so Dan, when you think of leadership today, what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? Well, I do sense in different aspects of leadership where it's becoming obvious to me that there are certain leaders that are in it for themselves and others that are in it to make a difference. I have sensed that in all aspects of society. And I think it's important that people understand that as to the intentions. You know, one of my favorite Chinese fortune cookies is intentions are honorable. <laughs> intentions are honorable. Mm -hmm. I see that in the way people lead in different aspects of society. I don't think it's ever been more clear than it is today with some of the issues that we in the United States are facing. Right. And, you know, we started off as being a leader who was out to climb that ladder, right? We're in it for ourselves, but at some point we pivoted. So what is something that you can tell a listener who is not quite sure <laughs> where they're at that can let that penny drop where, oh, I need to change this a bit? Yeah. Well, first of all, it really goes into how you motivate yourself too. You know, I mentioned that I was an altar boy, right? So faith is an important aspect of my life. And prayer is an important aspect of my life and family, et cetera. So if you happen to be driven that way, I think that's a very good way to ground yourself. I think that's the first thing. The second is 
put trust into the teams that are helping you and in yourself to be successful. Don't be so quick to drive the outcome. Be true to yourself. And when I used to talk to people that worked for me about their careers, I would call the conversations life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I would say, where do you want to go to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness conversation? And there are many people that, for whatever reason, are pursuing something that really isn't in what they want in their life, isn't really in their pursuits of what they want to do. It isn't anything that drives them to be happy. And so if you can trust yourself in this pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, I think you'll find your way. And if prayer or meditation or conversation is important to you in that, then I think that's really useful as well. And how do you feel about having a coach? Is that important? Yeah. So so first of all, I've had different coaches throughout my life. And I have one that is still my mentor and coach that I had from when I was in graduate school. His name is Dr. Randy Caps in leadership. He's just amazing. A couple of things. One, a coach, a good coach listens and then parrots back. And oftentimes for people that might be listening here on your call, they're called to leadership. They may not have that kind of feedback where someone listens to them and then gives them feedback about their rhetoric or what they're trying to do and kind of helps them and knows them because in order to be an effective coach, It isn't just that you have certifications that you coach. I think there are many coaches or people that want to be coaches that have certain certifications, but to be a good coach, you have to be a listener and you have to understand the other individual style and what they're trying to do. And then if you're the person that's being coached, you have to be open. You have to trust the person to share what you're really thinking about. Otherwise it won't be effective. So first and foremost, be willing to have a coach and open up. And then the coach needs not only the be trained as a coach, but to listen, to have empathy, to be able to react appropriately and be fair within the conversation of what the individual is trying to get done. Yeah. So it's important to be really selective on who coaches you or who mentors you. So thank you. Oh, for sure. Especially for the people that are listening to your podcast, because I believe that the people that are listening here are overachievers and people that want to be leaders. And so they're immediately in a very small group of people. And then in order to find coaches that are successful and helping leaders like that, you do have to be selective in who your coach is and why you select that person as your coach. And then of course the engagement. Great. Thank you. Now we have an option here. You can either answer a question from a former guest, or you can share a challenge, a struggle or failure that you learned from. I'd like to answer a question from a guest. All right. So Catherine Taylor wants to know, what is the one quality you believe that you have yourself that is most important in making you a leader? Great question. I wouldn't have thought this was the answer when I first started out being a leader, but somehow I have come to appreciate this more. And you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, and that is to be approachable to be approachable because people put a lot of trust in their leader and they have to be approachable, I have found. And I'm not talking about being a best friend, but they have to be approachable, that you can trust that leader, that there's a level of integrity, not unlike what you said when you first signed on with you and me today. 
Yeah. You said I felt the energy, you know, maybe I was approachable to you. Absolutely. And that's exactly what it was. So thank you. Now, Dan, as a listener of this podcast, what is the question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? I would ask, why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? It's a simple but profound question. And it's a question that a lot of people don't have a response to. So it's really good that you ask it. It drives me, you know, the whole idea of everyone matters, of course. And then also, if you don't mind, I'll have just a quick story here yeah. for you. So it was a Thanksgiving and we happened to be eating out for a Thanksgiving, which we normally wouldn't do. And we were at a very nice restaurant, round table. I was the last individual to order. And this man came over. He looked kind of Eastern European and he wanted to take my order. And before he took my order, I looked up and I saw his name tag. It said Joey on his name tag. I said, Joey, huh? And he looked at me, yeah, Joey. And I said, I don't think you're a Joey. You don't look like a Joey to me. And I must've had trusting eyes because he said, no, my name's Oscar. And I said to him, I said, Oscar, how long have you been serving Thanksgiving, waiting on people at this fine restaurant? He said, over 25 years. And so I said, Oscar, do you have a family? And he said, yes, I have two boys, one good, one not so good. And then I said, will you celebrate Thanksgiving? He says, yes, when I get home late, we'll have a Thanksgiving dinner. And I then said to him, I said, why do you do this? Why do you do what you do? And he said, blue skies, blue skies. And I wrote that down. I had a pocket card in my suit coat and I wrote down blue skies. And uh, I was so taken back by that. At the end of the evening, when we left, I saw Oscar on the way out. And I said, Oscar, you gave me a great gift on this Thanksgiving day. And he looked at me kind of, what are you talking about? And I took out the card and it said blue skies. And he had a tear in his eye, as I did, because here was this man on a very important time of giving thanks, spending his Thanksgiving as a guest serving us. And the reason he did it was to create blue skies for his boys. That's why he was doing that. And that's what he meant. He wanted to have blue skies for them to be able to create a life for themselves, clear of clouds, clear of challenges, et cetera. And here was this great gift that this waiter gave me on a Thanksgiving. And so when you ask the question, you know, why do you do what you do? I think all of us can answer. Oscar answered it, blue skies. You know, Dan, this little story was a great gift to us. <laughs> I wrote down some things as you were telling us the story about your character and things that are real clear to me. I wrote down that you're extremely observant because you nailed Joey and it didn't compute with you, that you value people around you. doesn't matter what they do or what position they're in. You highly value humanity. You're incredibly curious you operate from gratitude and you're a deep listener because he spoke to you in poetry when he said blue skies and it landed, it clicked. You mm. connected with him. He didn't even have to tell you why blue skies. So you're a poet and you didn't even know. It. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And thank you for the gift of that story. So thank you. So is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? First of all, I'd like to congratulate the people that are listening because they're listening to try and improve their life. They're trying to make a difference themselves. So first of all, 
to all the listeners. So it's wonderful that you're listening today. And I'd like to congratulate you on what you're doing. You know, you could have quit at any time in your journey with some of the challenges that, but instead of having those be roadblocks, you use those as stepping stones. And so I'd like to congratulate you. And, and then finally, just thank you for allowing me to be part of your passion, part of your commitment to making a difference uh, for everyone. So thank you. Well, it's people like you who add value. And I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. Yeah, my pleasure. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.